good morning, everybody, and happy Mother's Day. Special shout out to my mom, Sharon, to my absolute favorite mother-in-law, Jody, and to my beautiful wife, Carissa, uh, who's mom to our three kids, and to all the other moms that are part of our community and connected to our community. We couldn't be more grateful for everything that you do for, for all the people in your life. So today, I want you, in honor of the moms, I want you to think of a time when you did something that your mom told you not to do. Can you think of a, of a time when you did something that your mom or maybe a different parental figure did, uh, told you not to do? For some of you, you're like, I ne that never happened. I never did anything that my mom told me not to do. And for others of you, you said, that was every single day of my life I was doing something that my mom told me not to do. God bless your mom. Uh, so keep in mind uh, of this little moment in your life when you did something that your mom told you not to do. As I started thinking about this question, uh, unfortunately, too many moments came up. But one of them was uh, being a second grader and saying a word at school that you were not allowed to say at school and getting busted by my second grade teacher and realizing that my teacher was now going to tell my mother that I had said a word that you were not supposed to say as a second grader at school. And I don't know if you've ever been in a moment like that as a kid. Kids, have you ever been in a moment like that where you did something and then you got busted and you, you were trying to figure out a way out? But you have that feeling in, the, in your stomach wondering, how can I find my way out of this moment? What can I say or do to squirm out of this situation that I found myself in? Uh, that did, that, those situations don't really ever end. If you're a kid, they go on into adulthood. So here's another example. I was thinking about when I was in my very first job at Wells Fargo Bank. And I was writing an email complaining about something that my boss had said or did, or I remember saying something I shouldn't have been saying about my boss. And then I accidentally sent the email to my boss. <laughs> have you done that? Do you feel sick right now listening to that story that I'm telling you? Because I still feel sick, and that was almost 20 years ago. So all of us have these moments in our life where we do something where we know we shouldn't have done it. Whether your mom told you or you've learned in your adulthood, there are just some things that we shouldn't do. And you get to that point, and you feel kind of sick in your stomach, and you go, what do I do now? Well, that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about that moment when you realize that you've done something wrong, and now you're wondering, what, where do I go from here? What steps can I take from here? We're starting a conversation called Between Two Kingdoms, uh, and focusing on Paul's letter to Rome this week. And we'll be talking about it for the next few weeks. In this letter that Paul's writing to these Christians in Rome, he starts off this letter by saying to them, I'm so proud of you. I've never met you, but I'm super proud of you. And I can't wait to meet you. And I've been trying to come to Rome many times. Believe me, I've wanted to come there and I haven't been able to come there. But I hear all about you. I hear about your faith. I hear about the amazing things you do. And I can't wait to be with you. And then after this introduction, he takes a dramatic turn in the letter and starts saying, now let me tell you what's wrong with the world and what we can do about it. The letter to Rome from Paul is our, um, probably the most comprehensive view we have of Paul's overall theology, his thoughts about who God is and why that matters to us in our life. And so he starts by describing this problem that we have. And he could have described all kinds of different problems because Rome is a city, is the center of the universe at this time. 
And there were tons of challenges in Rome, all kinds of political divisions and issues. There were issues in the young church where they were disagreeing about all kinds of stuff and trying to figure out how to be the church. They had racial and ethnic disagreements about who should be included and who shouldn't be included and why, and they had all sorts of problems. I know church isn't like that now, but, but they had problems back in the day. But Paul doesn't start with any of those challenges in his book, in his letter to them. Instead, he starts with what he thinks is the root issue, the root cause. And essentially what he says is, here's our major problem. Our problem is that people, ourselves included, have rejected God. People have decided not to listen to God, to ignore God, to figure out a way to live their lives without worrying about what God thinks. And that's the root cause. That's the root problem that all of us are facing. doesn't matter where you're from or where you were born or how much money you have or what your ethnic background is or what your gender is. doesn't matter. We all have the same issue that on some level, we've turned our backs on God. We've rejected God and done whatever we wanted. And so this, this problem has caused all kinds of other problems, according to Paul. Challenges in the church, challenges outside the church, brokenness in the world, life not looking like it's supposed to look in the kingdom of God, all comes back to this core problem, according to Paul, that people have turned away from God. And so this morning, what I want to talk to you about is four different ways that Paul says that people try to deal with this issue and see if you can see yourself in any of these different ways. When you're thinking about those moments when you kind of want to squirm out of being busted or being caught doing something you shouldn't have been doing, and think if you've, if you've tried any of these four things that Paul says people use to get out of the situation that they find themselves in. The first one is that you just ignore being in trouble and, and do whatever you want. You just ignore being in trouble and do whatever you want. And we see this now in the 21st century, don't we? That everybody just sort of decides what's best for them, what their best life will be like, what truth is like for them. And sometimes they're pursuing that, just ignoring everybody else, a total selfish pursuit of happiness in their own behalf, trying to figure out how to live life without God, ignoring God's guidance for them. A second way that people deal with this problem is to just judge and blame other folks, to create camps of like-minded people and just judge everybody else and blame them for what's wrong with the world. This was very true in the first century where people would get together with other ethnic groups or politically-minded people and say, well, if we didn't have these other folks, then the world would be better. If these people would just behave, then we'd be in a better spot. And man, don't we have that same problem now in the 21st century? People who only talk to folks who think like them and judge and blame everybody else for what's wrong in the world. It's one way of avoiding this core issue of actually dealing with what's going on in our own hearts and our own minds and our own relationship with God. The third way that Paul describes in the first few chapters of Romans that people deal with this problem is that we just try to try harder to do right, to follow the rules, to be better religious people to focus on uh, doing the things that we're supposed to do. In the 21st century, I think this sounds a lot like uh, people saying, well, if everyone would just be a good person, the world would be better. If everyone would just be more kind to their neighbor, if everyone would even just be more tolerant than they are, we'd be in a better spot. But fundamentally, this is, assumes that we can fix it. We can try harder. We can be better. Humans can solve their own problems. And Paul calls us out and says, we've been trying to do this for centuries and it doesn't work. 
The fourth way that he says people are dealing with this problem is by relying on their status or their privilege or their reputation. And he says, well, I'm from this family or I have this money or I have this power or authority or political persuasion. And because I am who I am, even though maybe I have done some things wrong, nobody can really call me out or uh, hold me accountable. And Paul calls out um, some of the folks who are religious leaders in this way and says, it doesn't matter what your religious background is. God's not impressed with whatever your heritage is. Only thing God cares about is the honesty of your heart in relationship to God now and whether or not you're willing to live in the way that God is calling you to live now. And so maybe you've been in one of these moments. I can see myself in all four of these examples of how to get around these moments in my life. I know that I've ignored it and just done whatever I've wanted sometimes. I know that I've judged and blamed other people when really the issue was with me. I have tried harder to do what was right in order to make up for some things that I know that I've done wrong. And I have relied on my status or my reputation or my privilege to get me out of tight spots or places where I knew that I was in the wrong. I've done all those things. Guilty as charged. Paul says very clearly in the first few chapters of Romans, none of these things actually work. These are all short-term fixes for a deeper problem that won't actually solve the issue. And so instead, he describes how God has solved this problem for us in Romans chapter 3. And I'm going to read it for you on the screen. And I chose the message translation for our reading today because I think it's accessible. It's easy for anybody of any age to read. And I want to encourage you to participate with me at this point. Don't just sit there and listen to me read it. Maybe uh, get up or grab a Bible or grab your phone. Uh, we'll have it here on the screen for you, too. We're going to read it out of the message translation. Maybe mute me. Maybe you're sick of me talking to you already. You could just mute me and somebody in your living room read this text out loud, okay, while I'm reading it. Uh, and you'll be able to tell when I'm done and, and take a pause and, and read it yourself, okay? So if you want, you can just read out loud along with me while I read. You can mute me and read, whatever you want to do. But I really encourage you, it will make a difference if you read this text out loud where you are while we're doing this together. So here we are in Romans chapter 3, the message translation, verse 21. But in our time, something new has been added. What Moses and the prophets witnessed to all those years has happened. The God setting things right that we read about has become Jesus setting things right for us. And not only for us, but for everyone who believes in him. For there is no difference between us and them in this. Since we've compiled this long and sorry record as sinners, both us and them, and proved that we are utterly incapable of living the glorious lives God wills for us. God did it for us. Out of sheer generosity, he put us in right standing with himself, a pure gift. He got us out of the mess we're in and restored us to where he always wanted us to be. And he did it by means of Jesus Christ. God sacrificed Jesus on the altar of the world to clear the world of sin. Having faith in him sets us in the clear. God decided on this course of action in full view of the public to set the world in the clear with himself through the sacrifice of Jesus. 
finally taking care of the sins he had so patiently endured. This is not only clear, but it's now. This is current history. God sets things right. He also makes it possible for us to live in his rightness. So there's all sorts of ways that we can deal with this problem that we all have, that on some level, we've turned our backs on God. We've rejected God. We've ignored God. We've refused to listen to what it was that God was trying to say to us. But God offers us a solution. And Paul, at the beginning of this great letter to the Romans, says that only God can solve our problem. Only God can make us right. And so I want to encourage you to think of three simple steps as the the good news in this situation that we find ourselves in right now. We have all sorts of challenges that we're facing, don't we? And there's lots of different things that need to be talked about and need to be worked out. But at the core, the challenge for us now is the same as it was in the first century and the same as it has been for all of human history. Will we let God forgive us? Will we let God heal us? Will we let God lead us? And and here's what this costs any of us, right? This comes at a cost to us. Jesus gave his life for the forgiveness of our sins and invited us to respond. God doesn't force us to respond, but invites us. So if you put your hands out in front of you, like Ashish was talking about earlier, you just stick your hands out in front of you, you feel how vulnerable any of us are in this position because we have to surrender and we have to admit to God that we can't fix our own problems. We can't control the world we live in. We can't control the future. We don't know what happens next. And we can't even make up for the things that we've done wrong. Once you admit that before God, honestly, right? Not as a show, just honestly, between you and God. And you put your hands out in front of you and you say, God, I can't do it. I desperately need you to do it. I believe that you have done it in Jesus Christ. Please forgive me. Please bring healing into my life where I need that. And be my leader. Please lead me. Show me what I should do with my life. Show me areas of my life that maybe need to change. Show me how I can use the gifts and abilities that you have given me to help the world look more like the kingdom of God than it does now. We are in an unprecedented time right now. But God is still God. And God can accomplish anything. So let's make sure that we first and foremost turn to God with our problem and all of our problems and say, Lord, lead us, forgive us, and heal us. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we are thankful for the gift that you have given to us, that it truly is a gift. And and we open our hands and we come before you today and we ask you to do these things. Please forgive us for the things that we have done wrong. Please heal us for the ways in which we've been wounded. And please lead us as individuals and as a church to be the kind of people and do the kind of things that bring honor to your name, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.